big welcome and thank you to everyone who has tuned into this podcast today. This episode is what I could say is the first episode under our new rebrand. Of course, returning listeners will remember this as a CFC 365 podcast. We haven't done episodes in a while, um, but you know, we've been working on a new rebrand. And um, yeah, we had some great episodes previously with the likes of Ben Jacobs, Sammy Mockbell from the Daily Mail, Nathan Gissing, Chelsea Insider, Liam Toomey from The Athletic and others. And that is the goal for the future, really, just under a different name. We want to make this podcast more regular, try and get the best guests. Also, not just journalists, but also Chelsea-related accounts that you guys like. I want to get those on and um, get a lot of different opinions and a lot of juicy episodes going. So that's the goal now, between now and the end of the summer. A lot of a lot of episodes during the transfer window with different people. Um, so this podcast is now going to be known as the London's First Podcast. And for those interested... You can check out the website londonsfirst.com and what was, of course, previously chelseafc365.com. So today we kick off the new era with a journalist who has definitely gained a reputation for being reliable, I would say, on the Chelsea news front. Me personally being the news aggregator that I am for 90% of the time when I don't get my own news. I certainly know this guest has he's been on the ball definitely over the last few months, especially last summer and in January with accurate reporting, specifically on the Malagusto transfer, I noticed. Um, it's very reliable on that. So joining us today, Bobby Vincent from Football London. Thanks for coming on, Bobby. How are you doing? Thank you, mate. Yeah, kind words. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, mate. Thank you for having me up. Yeah, we've been trying to get this episode going for ages. Just yeah. really busy, but yeah, glad to get you on and um, just just kind of do a, I think we're just going to do a sort of Q&A style episode, really. Keep it free-flowing. Have some fun with it, really. So I, I think let's just dive into the first questions we have. We've got a few to go through, and um, we haven't got hours and hours. So, um, TCFC10, he's got the first question for us, um, or more for you, actually, of course. He says, Do you think Chelsea will sack Graham Potter before the end of the season if results go bad? And are the Julian Nagelsmann rumors true? Obviously, we know Chelsea have got nine games, I believe, next month, which is going to be, I think, big because it's only April, May, and then it's the end of the season. So, what do you think is going to happen with, with Graham Potter? Because it seems to me that Todd Bowley's he's the one really trying to back Graham Potter. You know, there's been some reports that, you know, maybe Nagelsmann is admired by certain people, perhaps Christopher Vivelle, you know, and Kunku's coming in. So could be an easy link with Nagelsmann. Obviously, he's out of work now. So, like, what's your understanding on everything that's that's been happening on the managerial front lately? Uh, right. So with Potter, I mean, I don't think there's a world where he goes before now and the end of the season. I think whatever pressure he was under before these last, you know, four games, I think, um, that's sort of been eased, you can say. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of Chelsea fans out there who won't share that opinion, but I think that is genuinely the case. The media have gone off his back. There's not constant questions at press conferences about his future. It's it's a sort of nicer atmosphere to be in. And the, the three wins in particular, obviously, the draw against Everton wasn't, wasn't an ideal result, but there was, there was, sort of moments in that performance where you thought, you know, there's an improvement there. But the three wins in particular would have helped him no end. And I don't I don't think there's a world. If there is a world, then I think that he, like look if he le- if he, if Chelsea lose every single game between now and the end of the season, he's gone. I think. I don't think I don't think there's a case where he's staying. But that is worst case scenario never gonna happen. Um he's got the full back in as far as we're aware. We're, we contacted contacted people either at the club or around the club loads during that sort of spell where Chelsea were just losing week after week. And the message remained the same even then. It was frustrating at times because as a journalist, you're obviously trying to find something fresh and new um, to you know give to your readers or listeners or whatever. But all we heard was the same thing and that if that's how the club operate and... I genuinely do think there's a belief from the new ownership group and Top Bowley that he is the guy for to sort of spearhead this long-term vision project we keep hearing about. As far as Nagelsmann goes, um, I would love to be able to tell you what you want to hear, but I haven't heard anything on him. I didn't hear anything about him when, obviously, I think he was already at Bayern when Tuchel was sacked, so there wasn't a case where Chelsea looked at him. Whereas they did with some managers like Pochettino, they looked at him. Um, I think they had some talks with Pochettino, but went with Potter. With Nagel's money, yet, like there, there could be an interest there. Of course, I could. I, I'm not top early. I don't know that, and I haven't found that out yet. But 
as far as Potter goes, I think if you if, if you're gonna if you want to see him go, then I think you're gonna be quite disappointed. I think he's gonna be here for a while. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. Um, obviously, a few of us do know about those Pochettino talks. I remember that being reported. That was very interesting to say the least. I'm not sure how that one would have gone down, but yeah, I think um, I, I don't know. Like, I think from everything I'm reading, it's just like you know, there's there's bits here and there about you know, like you know, if he loses this, if he loses that, he may still be under pressure. But you know, Todd Bowley, Bedadig Bali, I think they're the ones obviously calling the shots. And I think Bedadig Bali's probably less reported um, yeah. in terms of his feelings, just overall. Like, he seems to be more, not the quiet guy, because he's definitely involved in a lot of things, but, you know. I think, always... I think Todd Bowley is the face, isn't he? Yeah, he's like the face. And um, it's interesting, because obviously he's got a, a smaller share, hasn't he? Sort of a smaller stake than yeah. the Capital. But, I mean, fair enough. Um, but... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the managerial situation. I, I guess you never know with Chelsea. Um, it's it's just difficult to predict. But I think... no, and no, that's it. And I I I was genuinely like almost expectant that he might have gone after the Spurs, but he didn't. Even though we were getting the same messages, I just thought you know losing to Spurs is just not an option for Chelsea. It never happens, and they did. Yeah. You know, sort of you know, like I mean, two 0 is not a humiliating scoreline but the way they played was awful ones I thought I genuinely like I I was off work that day I wasn't at the game I was um just watching it you know not working but I thought I was working on the Monday I believe and I was like yeah I'm gonna have to be writing up about Potter I, I just thought you go but I, t- to be fair to Chelsea they said they're gonna stick with them and they have done and th- th- there has been a slight improvement so hopefully for every fan out there that it carries on whether whether or not you want part you still want your clubs to do well yeah yeah i think that's well said so i guess guys that is it on the managerial front for now um let's move on then to more transfer related stuff um cfc isaac is asking about the striker situation he says is chelsea's interest in Osiman true and also what do you think will happen considering nkunku is coming in and felix could also potentially sign and this is something i'm Really interested in because I'm trying to work out right. It's it's been reported that Chelsea want a striker. Yeah, they want Felix and Kungu's coming in. Broya's coming back from injury. Havertz plays like <laughs> I can't really figure it out in my head. Especially if we continue playing with three, four, three, and you have to fit Mudrick in and all these other players. It's like, what, what do you think is going to happen on the on the striker front and any potential targets you've heard? Yeah, yeah, you make a good point about like all these players, and it's it is so hard to predict like. With Havertz, just you touched on him. I think, I think we've seen him, haven't we? We've um, sort of behind a striker in these last four games, and he has, in my opinion, looked a lot better. And I mean, his goal tally says that as well. Um, I think maybe that is a role that suits him more. I'm not sure though, because it might just be you know short term, you know, just short termism basically. But um, as far as striker goes, yeah, we, yeah, and Kunku's definitely come in. Like that's all agreed. Um, that's sort of been known for months, and I. I couldn't tell you why there's been no announcement yet, but it will come. Um, and then Aubameyang will leave, like almost definitely. Like I don't think you need to be a someone in the know to say that. You can just pretty much say that at this point. It's definitely going to happen. Um, and then they, yeah, they are looking at they are looking at more conventional number nine, so to speak. Um, Osimhen is attracting interest from everywhere. Chelsea are one of them. Yeah, but n- nothing major there, as in. They haven't spoken to Napoli or Osman himself, as far as I know. But he's someone who's on the club's radar. It's hardly a surprise because he's absolutely tearing it up in Italy this season. He's really made a name for himself, and he looks a you know a top striker. And hopefully, hopefully, there's something that can be done there. But he's going to have a lot of clubs after him um, from around Europe. So who knows? Um, Felix is very much someone who Chelsea would like to sign on a permanent deal, and I think that was always the plan. Unless you know, unless he came in and just didn't suit the style at all, but I think he has shown he hasn't been absolutely scintillating, but he's definitely shown signs of why he's so well regarded. And I think adding a bit more end product to his game is something. If he can do that, then you know he's got the potential to be a really world class player and someone who will benefit Chelsea for years. So I think Chelsea will look to do that in the summer. And if, by all accounts, Felix is very happy at. Um, Stamford Bridge he's settled in really well at London I was told that like a month ago absolutely loves the city loves being around loves being around the place and 
it's just I think a lot of it a lot of it can depend on what happens at Atletico because you've obviously got Diego Simeone there who we reportedly fell out with I don't know if that's true or not but judging by what happened it looks like that is the case and there's a lot of speculation that he might not be there next season so if they were to bring in someone you know that Felix respected liked or would want to work with and he's obviously got a decision on his hands and um it, it, I think it would very much be up to the player in that regard and obviously Chelsea trying to agree a deal with Atletico because they're not going to want to sell him for cheap are they I mean they signed him for I think something ridiculous like 120 million euros from Benfica a few years ago and they're going to want to try and recoup as much of that as possible whether or not that's realistic considering what he's done since I don't know but they're going to be asking for a lot of money and it's Chelsea's job to try and drive down that price, but it's not going to be easy because he obviously signed a one-year extension, I think, there just before he left. So that, that was solely to protect his value, no doubt. And um, yeah, for Chelsea, it's just finding a deal that makes sense financially because you've obviously got Nkuku coming in and then possibly a number nine as well. But it'll be very interesting to see if what they do with Felix. But from what I'm told, yeah, like they, they really like him and it's something they would look to do. Yeah, I think that one's going to be interesting. One thing I've kind of floated in my head, if it makes sense for the financial aspect, is to maybe maybe Chelsea will look at a loan again, but this time with like an obligation. So I think that could be an interesting route, but that's not been reported by anyone there. I just thought that might be something they consider. But we'll yeah, have to... sorry, man, I didn't want to interrupt. But and also like this is not, nothing I know, but like Chelsea have got to get rid of some players, right? So why why not? Chuck a player in there as well. Like you got it's, it's so hard, isn't it? Though, like yeah. I think every summer, I think we were trying to do this last summer where we was like, Bowley was chucking him left to right and center him in that deal, and it was just like, nope, nothing. It, 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 it does wouldn't come, come off. Yeah. It, it wouldn't come off. Like I thought, maybe you know, maybe give them Lukaku or something, or maybe I, I don't know. Like, but it, it's just so hard to get all parties to agree. Um, yeah, yeah, of course, um, that, it, so. it is complicated, and obviously, I know it's not football manager or FIFA where you can do it easily but sometimes you can do these deals as well where they're not you know like directly it's not like a direct swap so to speak but the deals happen and yeah. we saw like I think who was it Alexis Sanchez and Mkhitaryan with Man United and Arsenal that was a swap deal but it wasn't a swap deal if that makes sense they do yeah. they can happen but I think it's something that again this isn't knowledge but I do think that's something Chelsea could be looking at this summer trying to sweeten up their relationships with clubs and agents by using some of their fringe players and the players that don't have a future. I'll tell you one striker that I would want um, is Ivan Tony. Have you heard of any interest from Chelsea in, in, in that sense of him? So, yeah, ages ago, yeah. So when I, well, what would it have been? Like, before last summer, yeah. um, I heard they really liked Ivan Tony, but I haven't heard it recently and I don't, like, I haven't like, pressed on it by any means, so I, I'm not saying they're not interested, but um, it was obviously a bit complicated now because of this whole betting situation. And I, to be fair, I'm not on top of that. I don't really know what's happened or what is going to happen, but um, that, that that is obviously complicated. And I'm not, I'm not sure Chelsea would go near him at the moment. He's obviously obviously someone who is incredibly talented, and I mean his England call up was very long overdue. I think. Um, he's, I think on his day, he's one of the best English strikers around. I think he, I think he would fit in really well at Chelsea. I think he, I think he's got a real eye for goal, as the cliche goes. But I think he is a proper number nine and someone who would. I, I say he'd fit in well at Chelsea. Who knows? Because we've seen players we think would fit fit in well at Chelsea and just haven't. So, but yeah, they they definitely liked him. So, I, but that was under the previous ownership. I don't know if that's carried through or not. But again, haven't pressed on it. Um, Sorry, I can't give you more. No, it's, it's fine. I think if Chelsea were interested back then, I know it's different regime and that and stuff now, but like I think, you know, last summer we was, you know, looking at Kunde still and that was obviously an old regime target. So, um, yeah, can definitely carry forward in, in some situations. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So a few people have asked about, actually, let's do this one first. Uh, let's go to the midfield first. Um, so many rumours Bobby, about the midfield, you know, there's there's been Lavia links. I think you you wrote about him earlier on today, actually. Um, yeah. There's been 
Kone links. I think you wrote about McAllister. I never rule out Declan Rice. From your understanding, what do you think, or who do you think is the club's primary, primary target, primary target, I should say, I can't speak, <laughs> for when the window does come open? Because, like, it's all good having these links. And, yeah, Chelsea will have a list, but when that window opens and when they decide, okay, it's time to go and get midfielder, they'll have, you know, one or two top names. Like, in January, it was Caicedo and Enzo, and then it... it, it just was Enzo in the end, wasn't it? Because that's who we pushed hardest for. So, like, who who's your understanding on currently who the like the club's main guys that they're looking at to get a deal done for? Player I've heard most noise about is um, Romeo Lavia. He's someone Chelsea watched a lot when he was at Man City, but for whatever reason, um, <coughs> pardon me, for whatever reason didn't move for him when he signed for Southampton, and he's been you know he's been excellent in Southampton's first team despite them playing some, you know, poor football. And there's also the relegation factor. If they were to go down, I know it's very tight down there, then could potentially get him for um sort of cut price deal and he'd obviously be pushing for the move. He's yeah, he's definitely someone I've heard loads of noise about, especially over the last two weeks, I'd say. Um probably more than anyone. But but the thing is with it, it's very it's very hard to predict. And as a journalist you don't want to um, necessarily say that he's the guy unless you hear something concrete about it. But I would say, yeah, Romeo Lavia is definitely one. McAllister is someone who I heard a lot of noise about, but that was more January. Now I ask about it, and everyone's like, yeah, still interested or whatever, but haven't necessarily heard it as much. But I think Romeo Lavia, yeah, definitely. Declan Rice is obviously a big target and has been for, you know, the last however many windows but he's someone now it's definitely talk has definitely slowed down regarding him and it doesn't mean that Chelsea have pulled out of it by any means I do genuinely still think they'll make a move for him in the summer but Arsenal are favourites right now Arsenal have done more groundwork um, my former colleague now Adam Newson saying about um, Arsenal told me ages ago about Arsenal doing a lot more groundwork with um, people around Rice and West Ham and I guess when you look at the two the two sides right now in the Premier League Arsenal obviously you know big favourites to, to win the title and Chelsea are down in 10th fighting with Aston Villa for 11th so if you're Rice you might be more persuaded by Arsenal I know he's a boyhood Chelsea fan but his whole his whole reason for wanting to leave West Ham he's made no secret of it that he wants to play Champions League football and if Chelsea can't offer them, offer him that next season, if they don't win the Champions League this season, then you know, I think if you're right, you probably do go to Arsenal. Um, and he, I do genuinely think he probably suit Arsenal's system more than Chelsea's. But yeah, he he is a name, obviously. And I I, I saw a couple of tweets um, when you were asking questions about, oh, don't talk about Declan Rice, don't talk about Declan Rice. But you know, I've got it. Like, he, <laughs> He is still there. Like he's, a, he's a hot topic on, on Chelsea Twitter, I have to say. I mean, yeah, some people just think he's awful. I mean, I don't know how you can think that. I think, you know, but... Oh, yeah, it, I don't it, think he's it's, awful. It's, it's definitely a transfer. Like, what, what's interesting is, like, I just... I don't... Like, it's not to say we will get him, but I just don't see a situation where we're just like, you know... Like the Mudrick one, where we're just like, okay, yeah, Arsenal can have him. Like, I just feel like Chelsea will at least try. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's why that's why I'm saying I, I wouldn't rule it out, and I I just don't I don't see a world where Chelsea have had a, such a long term interest in him because like as a as journalists we always use the term long term interest, and sometimes you know that can be exaggerated. But with Rice, it's been ever since he broke into the West Ham team, which now feels so long ago. Um, and like yeah, Chelsea have watched him ever since intensively. So I don't see I don't see a world in where they let Arsenal have a free run at him. Um especially it being Arsenal, you know, might be a bit different if it was say Real Madrid or Barcelona. It doesn't directly impact you, but for him to go to Arsenal or one of the Manchester clubs or Liverpool, then you I don't think Chelsea would let that happen without a fight. And yeah, well I mean with the financial power Chelsea have now, they can obviously theoretically they should be able to offer more than Arsenal I know there's this whole Chelsea really needs to balance their books in the summer of course that's the case but they're 
they they will do that. They will try to do that, and they will still be able to spend in the summer. I think I think it was the Times, maybe the Telegraph that put out a piece yesterday about a fire sale. Um, but yeah, that that will be the case. I think I think everyone sort of knew that was going to happen. There's Chelsea have got such a big squad and so many players who don't even make the match day squad because you know because of how big it is, and you got the likes of Badia Shield and. Madueke, who are not even making the Champions League squad, Aubameyang. So some of these players are gonna not not those three players, but players are gonna need to go to make these squads, you know, a bit more tight knit. And yeah, my overall point is Chelsea are still gonna spend them in the summer. I don't think they'll be the, the sort of numbers we've seen in the last two windows. But you know, from a business point of view, to carry that on, it doesn't really make sense. So. Yeah. I... I don't know. I was going to agree with you, but then I was thinking, well, you know, you never know. Chelsea might just spend another three hundred million. <laughs> you know I mean, that? I mean, they could, they could, and yeah. I might be made to look stupid, but like, you know, <laughs> I ain't ruling these guys out anymore. Like, they're clearly yeah. ambitious. I, I, I get it. Like, they're really unpredictable as well. So, it's perfectly fine, I think, for any journalists, even you know the <laughs> Fabrizio's of this world, to say, oh, actually, you can't really predict what's going to happen right now because. Like, Bowley can just think something one day and, you know, do something the next day. I know we've got a recruitment team now and it may be, well, hopefully it will be a bit more sort of organised. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be difficult in terms of, like, knowing who's the primary target um, until the window opens, I guess. Um, but piggybacking off that, uh, of the midfield situation, let's talk about some contract situations, two in midfield. Let's start with Mason Mount first. It's been widely reported that his contract is on, well, standby talks. Um Think he's going to leave, Bobby? I think this is getting a bit uh, dragged out now. It's not looking good for him, is it? I do think he's going to leave, actually. And if you had asked me that a couple of months ago, I would have had the other opinion. Um, but that we're well, you know, what's the date? Well, we're basically in April, the end of March. Um, so he's got, you know, two, three months until he's into the last year of his contract, and. With, with the new ownership group, they, they've been trying to sort of uh, cut down on the mistakes of the past under the old ownership group of letting players, you know, get into the final months of their contract and potentially lose them on. Like we saw Jorginho go in January for, what was it, like 10 million? Like he's not a 10 million pound player, whatever you think of Jorginho, he's more than that. Um, Christensen and Rudiger, two, you know, really good centre backs leaving on freeze last, last summer. Chelsea are going to want to sort these contract situations out. And <clears throat> the longer it goes on for Mount without him signing, the more confident other clubs do, the, get, the more you know work they do behind the scenes. And I know I reported the other day about Liverpool um, doing some serious groundwork. And that is, that is the case. They Over the last week or so, they've I wouldn't be able to tell you the exacts, but they, they've definitely like pushed on with their interest and they're sort of quite big favourites at the moment you'd say and obviously the Bayern Munich links came out yesterday that they could have truth so I don't actually know um, haven't asked but that's an easy link to make because of Thomas Tuchel and we've seen him he's been there for less than a week and we've already seen him link with Kovacic Havertz Mount probably other players as well so, <laughs> no, it's, it's not so that's not true but it's quite funny yeah. that's the case yeah, yeah no, um, that's exactly it. it could be true and it would make sense because he liked all of those players at Chelsea and he obviously got on really well at Mount um, you, know, you know what I don't understand is Liverpool can't pay more in wages than Chelsea can for Mount so what is actually holding this deal up because like um, it's just strange like what like what does Mount actually want like it's crazy it it's not necessarily what, it, like Chelsea can afford what Mount wants. He'd better just choose not to. Um, so if Liverpool can get anywhere closer to what Mount, because obviously, like with in any business sort of negotiation, you you have a price. I don't need to tell you this; you know it. But I'll say it anyway. But you have a price um, where they'll say they want, and you'll you'll sort of meet somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. Um, and if Liverpool can offer. Chelsea um, mount more than Chelsea can and offer him, you know, what see, the thing is with Liverpool as well, they always play a free in midfield. And if they can offer, they need a number eight. And if they can offer Mount the assurance of being in that number eight and being almost one of the sort of poster boys for their new look midfield, which they've 
they want to get in the summer. Obviously, they've been linked with Bellingham. Whether or not that happens, it looks unlikely at the moment. But Mount would be probably the one of two marquee signings, I'd say, if that comes off for Liverpool. And if they can offer him assurances and make him feel valued to be one of the most important first-team footballers at Liverpool, then I think that goes a long way. And, of course, as well, Chelsea... I wrote about it the other day. Chelsea wanting to offer Mount a really long deal, I think seven years. Um, on top of, you know, it's 2024, so that would go to 2020, 2031. Sorry. And that leaves very little sort of wiggling room in terms of negotiation for Mount in the future. If he did, you know, if he did want to leave, something happened. If he felt he needed an increase or something different in the contract, one of the clauses wasn't good or whatever, that, that, sort of restricts that and Liverpool might offer him four years or five years and that would suit Mount more by what we're hearing because he doesn't want that length of a deal. So there are many things and I, I'm i not for one moment saying Mount's definitely going to leave, but if you had to push me on it, I would say, yeah, he probably will. And yeah, I, I do think Liverpool is the most likely destination at the moment. From, so, yeah, from so, so are the rumours true then that he wants, you know, Hot like upper echelons of the wage bill at Chelsea because you've got like Sterling who's on three twenty five I think, and then it's like Kante, um, maybe Bruce James, like yeah, like what what's your understanding on on the numbers side of things? He, I wouldn't be able to tell you an exact number, but he obviously he does want a look. I think he's on eighty thousand, which. And that was that isn't my information. I just saw it reported. I can't remember where year two yesterday, and that isn't even though it's mental money for me and you. It's not that isn't enough for someone like Mount. Who you know he's been um, he's won Chelsea Player of the Year twice since he broke into the team. I know I know he obviously he divides opinion and he divides my he divides my opinion sometimes as well. Sometimes I think he's great, but I mean for the most part of the season he's been very poor. Um, so whether or not that's fair that he wants these sort of figures that his friends and teammates are getting, you know, that's not for me to say really. But um, yeah, of course, of course, he 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 wants to be out there with one of the highest earners. He and I think what he feels is he deserves to be as well, and he'll be pointing out while well, his his entourage will be pointing out what he's done since coming in under Frank Lampard, and you know what he can do in the future and that is of course one of the main things holding this deal up and I guess it goes to show how much Chelsea value Reese James because it didn't take that long for him to get the um, contract and the sort of money he wanted. Well, that's the thing though right if you think about it I've said this a lot on streams myself Reese James is guaranteed start absolute guaranteed starter whereas Mount may have been a guaranteed starter was a guaranteed starter but I think now with all the attackers Chelsea are signing and you know we don't play a 4-3-3, like you said. It's a big, big thing. Uh, you know, I think he's best as a number eight in a midfield three. You know, that that's his best position. In a 3-4-3, you've got Mudrick, you've got Felix, Havertz and Kunku. You've got all these players he's got to try and get in over. And then in a 4-2-3-1, as a number 10, because he's not going to play in the pivot. As number 10, you've got Nkunku, Felix, Havertz. Like, it's just too many players for Chelsea to go, yeah, you're a guaranteed star. you like... That's that's why I think he's gonna leave because I I just don't think like I feel like he would accept being a you know a quotation mark bench player because I feel like his mentality is I can get back into the team because you know I'm good sort of thing which he is but and that's the right mentality to have but Chelsea then can't give him you know for example two hundred thousand pound a week to sit on the bench for for three out of the five games Chelsea play in the league you know what I mean like that's my opinion on it do you agree? Yeah, yeah, of course, and I think that's why um, that's why the move to Liverpool would make sense in that respect. Because if you look at Liverpool's midfield this season, it's been you know highly documented how poor it's been, and they they need goals from midfield. They need some sort of creativity from midfield. They haven't got anyone like that at the moment. Um, they've been trying to sort of mould Harvey Elliott into that role, but he's still very young and inexperienced and hasn't been able to add that many goals in. And I think with Mount as a number eight, you'll not guaranteed goals because he obviously hasn't this season but like you said he's been playing in positions where he probably isn't at his best and he'd admit himself I think I think he's come out and said that he likes to play in midfield three um so if they can offer him that then if you're at Mount 
and Chelsea are stalling over a deal and you know the, the contract suits him at Anfield then I think you go and that's why I think you will go yeah fair enough well that's enough on Mason Mount for now I'm sure there'll be lots of new news as the summer closes in um another midfielder that is actually my favorite player at Chelsea football club right now that is Mateo Kovacic what do you think is going to happen with him? Because I'm really hoping Chelsea give him a new contract and he wants to stay because I feel like we need his experience in the team. We've not got many experienced players in this squad right now. And personally, I'm a bit worried about the rumours of Chelsea trying to eventually build a squad with like a maximum age of 25. I think that's a bit stupid in my eyes, in my personal opinion. But yeah, what's your understanding of Kovacic right now? Do you think the club will look to open talks if they haven't already? Yeah, so they haven't already. Um, that's what I know. Uh, there's been no official talks anyway. You know, they, they might have spoken about it, but no negotiations as of yet. Uh, do I think they will? Yeah, I do. I, I do think they will. But it, again, it's getting... He's one of those players whose contract runs out in 2024 and it's getting dangerously close to the summer. And it's whether you stick or twist if you're top Bodie, if you... If he if like if he hasn't signed a contract and stays with the club, then he's potentially leaving on a free or in a pre-contract in January. Um, but if look, I'm I'm with you, I think he's I think he's exceptional. I think I think especially this sort of, this sort of last month is the first time we've seen him at his best this season, and I well and it's somewhat somewhat near his best anyway. And I think that's sort of it's almost been because I think this is the first time we've really seen him fully fit this season because he has struggled with fitness problems. Not necessarily injury problems, but just sort of like managing his load. And um, yeah, over the last month and on international break as well, he scored two for Croatia last night. Um, so he's definitely playing better football now. And he's such an integral part to the team. And I think I think the it's promising the sort of partnership he's built with Enzo Fernandez. It's not it's not perfect by any means, but I think there's definitely potential there. And they're they're both such technically gifted players but it makes Chelsea such a better team to watch when they both play um, which you know is absolutely crucial if you're a fan because if you don't enjoy the football then you know that's a big part of your life isn't it and do I think he'll leave mm, no but like, again it, it's, just one, it's one of the things I wouldn't be too surprised about um, especially if you know I think someone reported yesterday that Man City are really interested that would be devastating for Chelsea to see him go to Man City. Um, but I don't think he'll leave in the summer, no. But I I do think Chelsea, if they haven't in the last few days since I last asked about it, um, should be definitely starting contract all soon because he's, he's too invaluable a player to lose. And like you said, he's one of the few players in the squad who have that leadership mentality. And, I mean, he wears the armband a lot, doesn't he, when a, lot of, when a couple of players are out. So I think that shows just how important he is. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think he wore it for three games in a row recently before the international break. So, um, yeah, I mean, just agree with everything there, really. I think his experience is integral to the team. I think the only problem for me is, like, may actually not be Chelsea's side. It may be Kovacic's side now. You know, he's he's won the Champions League with Chelsea. We're not going to be playing Champions League next year. Like, he's been there a few years. Like, does he want to, like, keep going on with this project? Or, you know, because the thing is with Kovacic is he could just go and join another top club. So um, I just hope his loyalty is there to Chelsea. Um, I really do, because he's my favourite player. So, yeah, I think he's a great player. But anyway, um, let's talk about the goalkeeper situation. This is another interesting one. A few people have asked about this. So what's that shaping up to be like then, from your understanding? Is, you know, who who do you think is the maybe club's favourite potential purchase right now? I find this goalkeeper one a bit weird because, like, I think Mendy's going to go. But Kepa, like... I can see him being number one next season just because I think like, I think he's played well for the majority of the season. He's made probably four or five mistakes and a couple of the games have definitely cost Chelsea. But he also you know, won the game for, for Chelsea against um, Aston Villa early on in the season when Graham Potter took over. So I could see him being number one next season, but he's also on high wages and there's been no shortage of links you know, to goalkeepers. So... What's your understanding on what's going to happen with a goalie right now, as you see it? Well, what one of them will leave in the summer, almost definitely, right? If you're Kepa or Mendy, you're you're both too good to be a number two. Um, I, 
uh, at the moment, obviously, with Kepa and the team, it looks like he'll be Mendy, unless he, you know, Mendy's coming back to fitness, and that's part of surprises everyone puts him back into the team, which I don't think is going to be the case. Like you said, Kepa's done well, um, not exceptional, but he's done well. He's done well enough to probably keep his spot, but I don't think he's done enough to prove that he's Chelsea's long-term number one. I think a lot of fans would agree with that. There are there are a few keepers that I've heard about. Um, David Raya of Brentford, Dean Henderson of Nottingham, yeah, Nottingham Forest now, yeah. Um, Pickford oh, was geez, one. Uh, Jesus, Dean Henderson and Pickford. Can we yeah. stay away? Like, yeah, personally, I want to hear the links of like Mainyan, you know, try and get Neuer out of Bayern. Like, <laughs> if, oh. if, if we're going to replace Kepa, it needs to be someone high level, in my opinion. Like, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I could tell you that, mate. Um, but yeah, no. Pickford, Pickford, to be fair, was a while ago. Um, and he signed a contract with Everton, I think, was it a couple of months ago or was it, yeah, whatever, recently. But obviously, you got the fact that Everton might go down and he'll, he won't stay in the Championship. You would, you would imagine he'll come to the Premier League. And, but he's definitely someone Chelsea have, have watched and like. Um, David Raya is the one I've heard most noise about and probably, to be fair, in my opinion, the best out of those three goalies. Um, I haven't seen too much of Dean Henderson, to be fair, and since he's been a Nottingham Forest. But yeah, they're, they're, they're three goalkeepers Chelsea like. I do think it's uh, an area they'll have, they'll be forced to uh, go into in the summer, whether or not that's to replace Kepa as number one or, you know, provide competition or support because to me they all seem of similar caliber to Kepa whereas like you said perhaps you'd like you know Mike Mignan who's been like extraordinary or someone of like Manuel Neuer's caliber but that yeah to, to, if they're targeting keepers like Pickford, Ryer and Henderson it suggests to me that Kepa might stay as number one um, but couldn't be true and again with Chelsea especially under new ownership group they've just Sometimes you can just pull a name out of the hat and the deal is almost done and it just surprises everyone. So it might happen. But I do, I do think one one of Mendy or Kepa leaves and I do think it will probably be Mendy because for all of his mistakes at the start of the season, he's far too good to be sitting on Chelsea's bench and you know he's still got his, probably his best years ahead of him as a goalkeeper. Yeah, it'll be, be really interesting to see what happens. I think um, Kepa personally... Like his wages, I think, are always an issue. So I think if he stays as, you know, the backup, I think it might be like the ownership might see a little bit of a problem with that. But if he is the number one, then yeah, fair enough. That that could be interesting next season, considering, you know, we'd probably be in the Europa League. Um, well, God help us if it's the Conference League. I hope it's the Europa <laughs> League at least. Um, but yeah, so there, there wouldn't be like, I'm not saying there's not going to be no pressure next season, but Kepa is number one. You know, you're not in the Champions League. You could probably get by for a season. Maybe then, you know, target a top, top goalie in 2024. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I do like David Raya as well. But again, you know, he's similar to Kepa. Good on the ball. He's short like Kepa as well. So, you know, not sure if 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 the upgrades are that massive. But I do like him. I think he's good. Um, so, yeah, be really interested to see what happens with, with the goalkeeper situation. So, I think the last question we've got here is on Levi Colwell. So, this is a really interesting one. Levi Colwell, for me, has got bags of talent um i made a, a compilation on my personal account the other day of his game against france under 21s i mean i thought he was magnificent so was badia Shile, to be fair france conceded four but badia Shile wasn't really at fault for any of them um even the pass he gave away i thought the, the midfielder could have got to it so um yeah but but levi colwell bobby is is just he's some talent isn't he the, the club have surely surely got to got to keep him and, and make him, you know, at least a rotational option next season. And the only reason why I'm a little bit worried is because, and I don't know whether it's just because of past links, but a few journalists keep throwing our name in the hat for Gavardio and I just don't understand it anymore. I just don't get it. I once got it, but I just don't get it anymore. So what what do you think is going to happen? What are you hearing on, you know, the club and Levi Colwell and, and that sort of thing? Well, I'll just quickly say I, I, I'm one of those who have heard about Gavardio. Um still being of interest. I just don't get it. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. it, it's almost like Todd Bowley wants to get him just so Man City can't get him or something. Like, it's like... <laughs> like no. Yeah, I, like... Yeah, I mean, whether it makes sense or not, he, he's definitely someone um, 
you know, Chelsea are still interested. And it did surprise me as well because when you when you think they signed Badia Shield in um, January, you know, like a left foot centre back, and you got you got another left centre back in um, Colwell, who is doing really well at Brighton. And yeah, by all accounts, Chelsea, as far as I'm aware, Chelsea want to have him in the squad next season. They've been monitoring him really, monitoring him really closely this season, of course. Um, perhaps more closely than they have with other loonies, which, you know, tells you everything you need to know. Um, they want him in the squad next season. I did see a piece from, um, I think it was Nizar the other day, about Chelsea weighing up the options. And I'm sure I'm sure that is the case, but from, you know, weighing up the options, that could, I think that's the case with everything, right? Like, they're obviously going to be considering other things, but I, I think he's going to be a, you know, a mainstay in the squad next season. I don't know how much game time he's going to get. It obviously all depends on a lot of things, injuries, fitness, etc. But he, he's had a he's had a tremendous season, and when he's been fit, he's been one of you know Brighton's best players. And Graham Potter obviously um, had previous with him as well, like as in he signed him for Brighton, so he obviously knew the sort of talent he had. So he's not going to be he's not going to be a new player to him. He, he knows what sort of player he can become, and. Yeah, Chelsea have got a really exciting player on their hands, and it'll it'll be good to see finally in that season him hopefully playing some football for Chelsea because I feel like he's been one of those players we've wanted to see for a while and um, just haven't been able to see yet. But yeah, yeah, I think I think he definitely stays at Chelsea next season. Well, I really hope so because I think him and Badi Shile, Fafana, Thiago Silva. I think Chalabu an interesting one and Koulibaly. I think one of those could be sold. Um, yeah. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think, I think Chalabu is really interesting because he, he wants to stay at Chelsea and like by all accounts, Chelsea rate him very highly. But I mean, it, he's been, it's been very inconsistent as a the sort of game time he's had. He, sometimes he's on the side for like a run of 10 games and does really well or does okay. Or, you know, but he, he very rarely in my opinion, very rarely makes too many costly mistakes. He's quite consistent, but his game time just hasn't been, and that was the same under Tuchel. So it'll be interesting because, you know, he's not he's not that young now. He's, I think he's 23, 24 this year maybe. Um, so he, he's entering a pretty crucial stage of his career. And if they, go, if they do bring back Colwo, and, you know, we mentioned about Vardio, and it's, he's just going to fall even further down a pecking order. So it's a, it's a big summer for him, I think. Hmm. Yeah, one one situation I just want to ask you about quickly before we wrap up. It just comes to the top of my head. Mikhailo Mudrik, Madueke. I mean, both of them. I mean, Madueke a tad bit more, but these guys have not been getting, you know... Actually, let's, let's focus on Mudrik more because I think that's more of an interesting situation. Mudrik, have you heard anything in terms of, like, Potter's plans for him? Because I think, you know, I, I watched him against England the other day and I definitely do think he needs a lot of time. He needs a lot of coaching off the ball, I think. Um, you know, receiving the ball position position wise, I think, you know, not quite there. Um, lacks a bit of confidence. But that cameo against Liverpool when we first ever saw him was just, you know, amazing. And then ever since his touches and stuff have not been so good. He's definitely not the player Chelsea have hoped could make the instant impact like Enzo. But every player's situation is different, of course. Like, do you think, like, have you heard Graham Potter is trying to almost like bed him in a little bit. Um, but then at the same time, it's just like, I think well, if that is the case, then he assisted a goal against Leicester. He started against Leicester, assisted the goal. And then what was really peculiar for me was that against Everton, when we was 1-0 up, he decided not to bring Mudrick on for even any minutes at all. He brought three defensive subs on and obviously we ended up drawing that game. So you'd think he would, you know, maybe even start him, but if not bring him on, to at least try and build on his confidence. So, have you heard anything of like Graham Potter's plans for Mudrick? Like, what is that situation there? And if not, if you haven't heard anything, just give your overall opinion on it because I think it's quite like strange at the moment. Yeah, I'll give my opinion on it because I, I haven't heard. You know, apart, apart from what Potter says in press conferences, I mean, he's, he's. I was at the King Power for the Leicester game. He came out and said, "Someone said, someone asked, basically, they were like, um, is that the Mudrick?" You know, we we you wanted to see, and he because he did he played well he played particularly well when he went to the left wing. It was only for like 12, 
15 minutes or whatever it was, but he played a lot better there. Someone asked him, is that the Mudrick you want to see? And Potter was quick to play that down. He was just sort of managing expectation. He was like, look, this is a guy who played no football from November to January. He's completely, he's at a different, he's on a different cycle essentially to the rest of the squad. He's still getting match fit. He's getting, he's in a brand new country. He's in a brand new league. And obviously with all the stuff going on in Ukraine as well, that doesn't help. So it is with Mudrick, you mentioned about situations being different for each player. Um, with Mudrick, that is especially the case because he's in a very unique one. And um, in my opinion, I think I think you can't really judge what happens between now and the end of the season. You give him the benefit of the doubt in that regard. Um, Potter as well, to an extent, with how he treat with how he handles Mudrick. I know he gets got a lot of criticism and I understand it. I understand frustration of bringing defensive subs on where, you know, you want to kill off the game and push on. But with Mudrick in particular, I think managing his minutes probably is a wise move um, and also taking him out of the spotlight a bit because, like, you, if, if he plays a f- three games, plays full 90 of those three games and he, he doesn't score or doesn't assist, then people are getting properly on his back and, like, that, that hasn't really been the case yet, but I've still seen, you know, a lot of criticism saying, well, this isn't the guy we signed. This isn't, he isn't worth 88 million or whatever. Um, Arsenal touch a bullet, etc. So I think, I think Potter, with how he manages players, I think he is very good at that. I think we've seen that with Kukurea and Badia um, Shilkulabali. And I think how he handles the Mudrick situation is very important. And I think from that season is when you can start judging him. Mean, he needs a full... There's so many Chelsea players, right? You need a good preseason. Um, obviously, right, with a footballer, they need a good preseason. But it's more crucial for a lot of players. You look at Mudrick, Kante. Kante needs... Like, Kante's preseason is so crucial. Um, but yeah, I'd say Mudrick and Kante, right? From that season, that's when you, you can judge Mudrick because... There's no you, you sort of run out of excuses from then, don't you? In August, if he's not settled in, he, he'd have been there for seven months then, almost eight months. Um, had a full preseason under his belt, and that's when I do genuinely think he has the ability. I think we again like that that cameo at Anfield was just it was like it was such an impressive cameo, and I know a, a lot's been made out of it, but it really was that good and that exciting for Chelsea fans. And that's all we've really got, bar the sort of 10 minutes against Leicester where he set a goal up and was unfortunate not to score his first goal um, with the offside flag. But that is all we've really got so far. And But I do genuinely think next season is where we'll see the best of Mikhail Madrick. Yeah, I agree. And um, just to go off the back of that then, um, on the back of that, what is your predicted lineup? Or you actually let's do like your lineup you want to see personally against Aston Villa on Saturday. Um, I was thinking I was talking about this earlier um, with someone, and I it right. So it depends, obviously, and we'll find out loads more about fitness on um, Friday in this press conference. But I would go Kepa. Like I stick with the same formation, the three four two one. I go Kepa. Um, oh my God, I've just remembered about Wesley Fofana. <laughs> um, God, right, hold on. So I go Kepa, Koulibaly. Uh, what I go for Trevor Shalaba? Mm. I be. I don't really know if this has like been discussed or not, but. Adia Shill as a middle centre back might be an option. Um, and then playing Kukurai on the left. So, all right, I'll do, I'll do that. So, I go Koulibaly on the right because he's played there before. Adia Shill in the middle, Kukurai on the left. Um, hopefully, Reese James is just a precaution. I haven't heard anything about that, but hopefully, it is. We'll find out more on Friday. Reese James is right wing back, Ben Chilwell. Um, they sort of pick themselves at the moment if they're thick. They've, well, Ben Chilwell in particular actually has been really, really good recently. Um, I think there is a case where you rest Enzo as mad as that sounds because obviously he's going to travel half the world and then you've got Liverpool on Tuesday but I don't think he will and I wouldn't want him to either so I go Enzo and Kovacic and then I go Havertz, Felix and 
Sterling. Like, pr pretty much the same side we saw against Dortmund in the second leg, apart from no Wesley Fofana, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Enzo, actually. I think, you know, maybe even Kovacic as well, because, like, I mean, when 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 are they going to get back to Cobham? Maybe tonight? Did they get back today? I'm not not quite sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it could it could be. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it a really hard. tight turnaround, and they've definitely played. I think they've played every single game. Kovacic always plays every single game for Croatia, and um, I mean, Enzo does as well for Argentina at the moment. So, yeah, I'd I'd be really interested to see the midfield on on Saturday. But anyway, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on. I'd kept you longer than. You know, you probably wanted to, but uh, that's, that's we, we had a we had a lot of questions. Uh, we had yeah. a lot of questions. We went through, you know, different discussion points, and um, yeah, I think it was a really good episode. Hopefully, I'll have you back on again in the future. Is there anything you would like to plug? Website, Twitter, whatever. Uh, yeah, my Twitter is um at Bobby Vincent FL, um, and yeah, football dot London is the website where I what I write for. Where, but um. Yeah, most of the news and everything I do, you can see via my Twitter. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, nice one, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, I will get another episode out as soon as possible. Trust me, I'm really working hard every day, you know, more than you believe to try and get people on these podcasts. So, hopefully, we'll have a lot of episodes in the summer. And uh, we'll also get, you know, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, we'll also get some Chelsea-related Twitter accounts on. So, uh, yeah, the one thing I would ask of you guys is just please leave a five-star rating on Spotify. We had loads of you last time do that. So, um, yeah, it's really, really appreciated. If you do enjoy the episode, you know, it's not obligatory, but it would be really appreciated if you did leave a five-star rating if you have enjoyed. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon for more episodes. Keep an eye out on the socials, London's First underscore on Instagram and Twitter for all new content. And we will see you next time. <laughs>